0: Hey guys, Montel here, and thanks so much for tuning into this edition of Let's Talk with Montel. And I'm so excited to have a guest on I had today. As a matter of fact, I even visited his shop oh, a couple of years back, so I'll give you a little update on who he is. But let's talk a little bit before we get started. You know, times have been really kind of crazy right now when it comes to cannabis. Um, as we saw very clearly during this last election, you know, the people across the nation have spoken. But now we're starting to see just the same ways as we see politicians pushing back against any idea of an impeachment. Politicians are trying their damnedest to push back against cannabis, something that the people have already said unequivocally that they want. Take a look at California, an initiative that was put in place about a week ago, where a California legislator is trying to get all dispensaries and all legal cannabis sales entities to take down billboards if the billboard happens to be on any street or any highway that has does interstate commerce. So if it leaves your state and goes to another state, they want the billboards taken down. Why? I, I just, I mean, this is so stupid. The people have already spoken in California and said, we want cannabis. If they want cannabis, then they want to know where to go to get it. And we should allow them the right to go to get it. But now we've got dumbasses who are just trying their best to figure out what way they can, since they lost the initiative, to throw a monkey wrench in it to see if they can slow down a movement that is a rightful movement to the masses. And that is, you know, people who want plant based. Efficacious medication, if that's what they're choosing for, or those who just decide that, you know what, I don't want to have liquor that you've been shoving down my throat for the last hundred years any longer. I'd like to switch over. Maybe I want to do both, but maybe I just want a choice. And, you know, when we have conservatives who talk so much about states' rights, that is a right that was given to the states. The federal government has spoken out about this over and over and over again over the last 10 years. So why try to stop a movement that has already been legally passed and an opportunity that people have? Why try to take it away? And you're going to say, "Well, Montal, you know, we said you can have legal business. We didn't tell you you could advertise." Excuse me. I go into any neighborhood across this country, and I find liquor stores advertising up and down every highway, any highway, any street they want to. I mean, um, you know, I also see pharmaceutical companies advertising pharmaceuticals any way that they want to. So why not allow for the advertisement of a legal product? I just don't get it. I don't understand it. And then when we add to that, you know, we're sitting here coming out of COVID, talking about business and talking about how we want to get the economy going again. And we know that, you know, the cannabis industry across the board, whether it be for the cannabinoids, meaning CBD and other products, and also even THC-laden cannabinoids, cannabis, is, has been a pretty much recession-proof industry across this country. So why are we trying our best now to slow down its progress other than the fact that there are just people out there who are pure and simple haters who still are pissed off that they've lost the tool that they had in their toolkit to just arrest people of color and to put people of color away and put them in prisons. And then let's talk about that for a second. Because the majority of states that have passed some form of legislation when it comes to cannabis have added or attacked on to the end of that legislation some component that's called equity, where supposedly those communities that were the most impacted by the war on drugs would have an opportunity to participate in the upshot of cannabis. But as we look at it across the board in this country, clearly over 85, 80 to 85% of the cannabis, legal cannabis in America is being sold by people who are not part of the equity program. There are some people who say that in some states, less than 2% of the people who have licenses are equity participants. And it's ridiculous where, you know, again, when you just, just follow the the rhetoric of today, I mean, they want to try to shut this industry down because they lost an opportunity to continue to arrest people of color. And I'm going to say it over and over again, but take a look at it across this country and no matter what state you're in, you know, the majority of people, 80% of the people who are serving time in prison for Cannabis violations are people of color, period. And don't think that that's just a coincidence. It has never been a coincidence. It was always set up this way. It was made illegal to do this this way. We lost an enslavement tool with the end of the Civil War. And those who really wanted the way to figure out how can we keep locking up more and more brown and black people, they decided to make cannabis illegal to do so. And the rest of the world is now starting to speak out and say, stop. We're sick of the fact that you've taken a viable, efficacious plant-based medicine off the table that can be used for so many different things. There's an article that just came out about a week ago, and I'll cover this on my free thinking podcast, but I'll talk about it a little bit here. An article just came out a couple weeks ago discussing the fact that they have been looking at certain cannabinoids And the effect of some of the phytocannabinoids that seem to have an 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 anti-inflammatory response in the lungs of those people who have been diagnosed with COVID. Come on now. How crazy is it that we can't even utilize a medication that might help us during the worst pandemic of the last 100 years because there are those who don't want to validate its efficacious use. Well, our guest today, you know, is is a guest who, when I talk about equity programs, he's really the guy who's he's our our first guest is he went from getting arrested for selling cannabis to owning the first equity-owned dispensary in the world, Blunts and More, dispensary in Oakland, California, that I visited. This incredible man is a true testament to walking your own path. He's the owner of Proud Papa's Clothing, Proud Papa's Detailing. He worked as a detail trainer at Tesla and has over 30 years of auto detailing experience. He graduated from Osterdam University in 2008 with a degree in cannabis, and he's been the co-host of Talking Bluntly, and is a fifth-generation Oakland native. Tucky Blunt, welcome to Let's Be Blunt today. Thanks so much for being a part of the show, my friend.
1: And thanks for having me. It's an honor and a pleasure. Honor and a pleasure.
0: Absolutely, sir. Well, it was an honor and a pleasure for you giving me the tour of your facility when I got an opportunity to come out there and visit. And i to be honest with you, I, I always felt, um, as I traveled around the country before COVID, I talked about your dispensary as an example of how it should be be done. You guys did a great job with that. Um, uh, let's let's go back for a second and talk a little bit about your history. I mean, I said you are a fifth-generation cannabis user and, and and a native in the, the Bay Area. Yes. Let's back up and talk about when was your first – you got introduced to cannabis very early on, did you not?
1: Yeah. Um, cannabis was never a secret in my family. Um, your grandmother um, could use it. Yeah, my grandmother's the first person to take me to a cannabis club. Um, it was just never, we never knew cannabis as being illegal. Um, I didn't really know cannabis was bad until I heard about D.A.R.E. in the 80s, the drug abuse resistance education program. And we still didn't think it was bad. But um, my history goes back to there. Just being in the kitchen, sneaking in, granny playing dominoes, smoking weed. She's the first person I saw grow weed. I started selling weed at um, 16 with cannabis. I started selling cannabis at 16 and I always approached it as a business Um, My dad sold cannabis. My mom sold cannabis. And the way they stayed out of jail was not advertising. They sold cannabis. They didn't like go to a turf. Um, So when I got into the field, I figured I'm like, okay, the way I can avoid jail is not be on a turf. So I sold a lot of my cannabis to co-workers. Um, I worked for Alameda County for 13 years. I've had a job since I was 13. I'm 41. And everywhere I've worked and employed at since I was 16, I made more money selling cannabis at work than I made at work. Um, But I never thought ownership would be an option. I was told in 2001 when I first tried to open a dispensary that Black people would never own in cannabis. Um, Shout out to Keith Stevenson, owner of Purple Heart in Oakland, who was the first Black dispensary owner anywhere in the world. He paved the way for me. He mentioned to Rebecca Kaplan and to uh, Desley Brooks about the social equity program way in like 06, 07, 08, And for me to be the beneficiary, the first beneficiary and the only equity dispensary open in Oakland out of that program is huge. Um, And it's just a a testament. Um, I'm really walking in the path that I put myself on in 1999 when I first heard about cannabis clubs. And I'm here now to show that we can do this. I can look like you, talk like you, dress like you and own in cannabis. And that's what, you know, that's what I'm here to show people.
0: And you, at one point in time,
1: um, you did get arrested for selling. Yes. 2004. Yes. Let's talk a little yes. bit about that. 2004. So, as I said, I wasn't a turf guy. I was from a turf, but I never sold on my turf. Um, in between 2004 and 2005, I had a son coming, and I was in between jobs. As I actually started with Alameda County the Monday after I got arrested. So... Went to the turf, you know, I'm like, let me make a few extra dollars. You know, I knew I could do that. My granny was like, go ahead, just don't store nothing in my house. And it was cool. I had a good run, good run. It was like, okay, this was me on the turf. I'm like, all right. And got told on by one of the guys I bought product from. And he knew that him telling on me what he thought telling on me was going to have me um, lose my job with the county because I got arrested on Thursday, started work on a Monday. And um, he thought that that was going to happen. When I got arrested, I had um, $80 worth of product on me. And a registered firearm. My firearm is registered to me and everything. And, but being that I had both together, they charged me and I got uh, 10 years of felony probation with a four way search clause for my first offense ever. So
0: and I bailed out. Search- I
1: didn't, yeah, I didn't stay in jail long. I bailed out the same night, but that was my, that's what I ended up getting convicted with. That four way search charge, explain what that is to people so they understand. So for people that don't know, a four way search clause is basically the, Legal right for any police officer to pull you over and search you, your car, or if you're a passenger in someone's car, they can search anything and all the people that you're in the car with. So, for a long time, I couldn't even go places with other people because I would run the risk of getting them in trouble by doing whatever they wanted to do. Right. Um, you know, for a first offense, you know what I mean? So, you know.
0: And let's talk about how disproportionate this has been because, you know, the majority of people that you saw.
1: Being arrested, you know, look like you, right? Yes, sir. Um. So, like you said in in, in the beginning, these laws are set up to throw us in jail. The mandatory minimum at that time when I caught my case for a first time offender was ten years of felony probation because they're trying to set you up to where you can't get jobs, and if we can't get jobs, then we're right back to selling drugs on the street because we can't work anywhere. Um, and in most cases, these are black and brown people all the time. So though the social equity thing is dope, it's a good concept. You know what I'm saying? They, they, you know, they're trying to reel it in or whatnot. But we shouldn't have to just have a social equity gift. You know, we're supposed to be in the space. We make the trends in the space. We are the face of the space. But you want to give us an equity like throw out and say, "Oh, that's going to work." Like, no, we should be top tier in this industry because we are the industry. And how many? How many?
0: Black-owned dispensaries are in Europe, in the Bay Area, or in Europe.
1: Stay with us. We'll be right back. the red life i know this is going to become your new favorite podcast and i'm going to show you how to grow a profitable online company step by step every single week in the bay area that i know of personally key for purple heart the longest running um sean richards just opened a dispensary in san francisco with a partner with cookies he's the second um equity owned dispensary um posh green, which is Reese Benson out of Frisco. That's a third. Um, the hook dispensary there are Hispanic owned there in Santa Rosa, but overall my I think maybe four that I know about, maybe wow. five tops.
0: Wow. And now, you know, when, and, and let's explain so people understand for you to be selected as an equity owner, you went through a lottery.
1: Is that right? Correct. Um, so, I mean, it was literally a bingo ball lottery. I put our ball in third overall, and they had to roll the balls around. If they picked your ball, you lost. If your ball was one of the four remaining balls remaining in the chamber, you won a license. So, aside from all the path walking, like, I really believe wholeheartedly my tail was meant for me to be this person because, I mean, what are the odds of me putting a ball in third overall and then it being one of the last four? Um mm-hmm. And it was really it was really a lottery. And out of those four dispensaries that won that day, I'm the only one open. None of the other ones ever opened. Wow. Which is a bad thing for the equity program for me, because where are, the other, where, where are they at? Why aren't we open? Why are these other non-equity dispensaries able to be open and maintained? We're not putting the energy into the equity to get them open. So. And was it just bad management of the other ones? Um, Honestly and truthfully, the equity program, though, is great. It was thrown out before we had any funding. So it kind of set up like a reverse war on drugs on the people. You have to be poor to qualify for equity, um, live in certain zip codes, et cetera, et cetera, fit a certain demographic. Most of those people that's in that demographic have no business savvy, no money, no capital. I didn't have capital. But I had enough business savvy to go negotiate a deal where I lost no ownership in my store, no equity. But 95% of the people that are getting these licenses in this billion-dollar space have 50 cents worth of knowledge. And it's like it's been a setup for us to fail because we have to then go out and outsource funding from people who look at us as a cash cow and offer to buy us out for crumbs. And we don't know our value. We're going to take those crumbs. That's the most money we've ever seen. So,
0: right. And now just talk about, well, when you first got started, how long is your, as a Bunsen and what's it called, Bunsen Moore?
1: We have been open since November 24th, 2018.
0: 2018. And you ran into some issues a couple of months ago back, right?
1: Yes. So when George Floyd was murdered, um, people took it upon themselves to riot. And May 31st to June 1st, the cannabis industry was under attack throughout the globe. But specifically in California, if you were associated with cannabis, you were robbed. Um, My story broke into overall for about eight hours that night. Um, I watched it on camera from home, just an utter shock. But what hurt me the most about all that is that I understand we're fighting for rights and, you know, we're being disrespected by the police. What does it have to do with robbing a black business that, you know, is a black business? Um. So it was hard it was hard but what i did from that montel i looked at it i watched it for about four hours i woke up about 30 minutes after i finally dozed off and i said let me be positive so i reached out to weed maps um, reached out to burner uh, reached out to saucy extracts which is ran by jim jones and i was like let's put a concert together virtually um and just raise money for the cannabis space and i didn't raise any money for blunt and more i rose every dollar to give away to other shops and I did that. Um it was called the I Got 5 on the event. Um Scarface headline. Like the list of people that was on there was amazing. All just for me calling and saying, "Hey, we need to do this." And I called it like, you know, the Don't Retaliate Educate because I'm from the streets for those that don't know. Like I'm really really like I'm not just a random dude that got this license. I've been selling weed on the streets of Oakland in East Oakland for 25 years. So I could have reacted violently. My phone was going crazy with people that wanted to pull up to my store with big guns to go shoot everybody. And I'm like, no, we can't do that. If somebody dies on my property, it kills the whole equity program. So let me think, don't retaliate, educate. Let's educate these people that broke in my store that, hey, you can work in this business. You don't have to steal from this business. And that's what I've been on. You know what I mean? That's just, that's just me. You know, we've talked and, you know, but that's just, that's how I am. You know what I mean? We all should be able to eat in this space and make money in this space, whether it's not just growing and selling, but all the other ancillary things. There's so much for us to get into. So I just want to share that message, you know? Sure. No, absolutely. And what's been some of the biggest obstacles you've had now other than that? That's a huge obstacle. But your first year before COVID, Mm -hmm. going really well, right? First year before COVID, we did excellent. We did uh, about 5.2 million with bad hires, you know, just overall the aches and pains of opening a small business. And we still did five. Um, so sort of like for me, I was looking forward to 2020. It was like, yes, 2020, we're going, we, it's going to be great. COVID happened. And to be totally honest, you know, COVID really didn't stop cannabis sales. COVID actually increased cannabis sales. We had a little bit of fall off after like week two, just because everybody had stocked up so much. But COVID didn't hurt months and more. It was the robbery. And then my ex-partner, my former partner, she had some, you know, different things she was doing that kind of like messed us up but overall I was looking forward to 2020 and like I'm looking forward to 2021 but that that robbery set us back at least 6 to 8 months for sure wow
0: and I mean but, but when you're talking about what were some of the biggest
1: obstacles when you first started getting the good, um... Oh, you know what? That's right. Capital. The two biggest obstacles in this cannabis space are education and funding. It sounds repetitive. I said it in a lot of my interviews. It's like that can't be the only thing, but those are the two biggest things. And I don't mean education in the sense of picking up a book. I mean education is to just knowing what your, especially if you're an equity candidate, what your license is actually worth. And knowing that you need to own your license. You can partner with anybody, but you don't have to give them any percentage of your license. They can be partners on your business, but not your license. That's education. Funding is just like I said, most of these people, even people that are non-equity, that's coming into the space just to get it in the space. We're poor. Only big MSOs really have three to five million dollars to give somebody to open up a store. What are they going to want for that three to five? Million? So, for me, the biggest obstacles are the education and the funding. We lucked up. We were able to, Yahweh had it set to where we met the right people and was able to get the funding, no ownership. But we're just one story that had that success. Everybody's not going to have that. So, we have to educate them on how to move in the space and we have to fund them properly. I really believe us as Black people need to get together and link our funds like the other races do. If we do that, we can all survive in this space. But, you know, we've been conditioned to think we all are enemies of each other. and We can't work together. I don't I don't subscribe to that. That's almost
0: like the entire industry right now. The whole industry has this us against us attitude, don't you think?
1: Yes, I agree with 100 percent. And it's like, again, especially with us, we have to unify. That's what they're expecting. You know what I'm saying? They're expecting us to fight and not link and then so they can come in and swoop in and take over the industry. And we can't allow that. It's just not, we cannot allow that. So
0: mm-hmm. now, you know, there's a lot of stigmas that you have to stigmas that you have to deal with. Do you feel like you need to set the precedence right now, being the first equity owner?
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, like I didn't know that this was gonna happen or I was gonna be the person to be a part of leading that charge. But I have to accept that because I am the first. And again, like I said earlier, it'll be a disservice for me not to share this and not to let people see what's going on and who's doing it and who's behind it. There's no MSO behind me. There's no big corporate, you know, big pharma. This is a Black-owned dispensary that's selling cannabis legally as a result of the equity program. And I want somebody else to feel like that. Another state, another city. I want and Moore to be the franchise that opens in all States to have equity and that be the flagship store. Those are my goals. And, you know, I want other people to feel like that, that they can own in this space and be black and not have to get raped out of their, you know, license just to be great in this space. So man, it's just, it sucks. You know what I'm saying? Like I love the position that I'm in. But I need it to be more of us. You know what I mean? It has to be more. I'm fighting a fight just as one owner, but I'm linked, you know, I'm linked with a lot of people, but we need more of a bigger voice, more representation. It can't just only be me, period. Right. Right now, let me ask you that in your dispensary. Do you, do you have a grow license? Do you have completely vertical. Okay. So I don't have a grow license yet because at the time I wasn't interested. I was just so focused on getting to the shop. But now I have a distro license, delivery. I'm working on a grow with a, one of my business partners um, can't say his name because he's a current NBA player, but we're working on a uh, grow now. So the model that would transfer when I go, you know, across the States will be a vertical. I'll have like, you know, my store has a grow house attached to it, but that's my landlord's grow up. But it made me realize, okay, well, if we do franchise, I should have a grow up in the back store up front delivery distro and make it vertical. And that's what I'm on because I can hire all black people, Montel. Like I can have my, all of my business be black and brown people. Nothing against white people, love them to death. But I'm just saying, like, I can really be the equity store and train and empower other black and brown people that they can succeed in this. And that's just like, that's the way to go. That's the, that's, to me, that's the way to go.
0: Absolutely. Look, Tucker, you know, I got to do something. i got to pay some bills real quick. So let me take a little break and then we'll come back. And you've been listening to Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Uh, My friend, Tucky, who's here, who's schooling us all about the equity programs that exist in cannabis. I'll take a little break. We'll be back right after this. Well, hey, guys, thanks so much for being a part of the show today. Let's be blunt with my Our guest today went from getting arrested for selling cannabis to owning the first equity-owned dispensary in the world, Blunts & More Dispensary in Oakland, California. This incredible man is a true testament to walking his own path. He's the owner of Proud Papa's Clothing and Proud Papa's Detailing. He worked as a detail trainer at Tesla and has over 30 years of auto detailing experience. He also graduated from Osterdam, Oakstradam University in 2008 with a degree in cannabis. And he is the co-host of Talking Bluntly. And he's also a fifth generation Oakland native. Tucky Blunt, thanks so much, sir, for being a part of Let's Be Blunt with Montel today, sir.
1: Man, thank you again for having me. Little secret y'all may not know. I remember when Montel was telling me about Let's Be Blunt. A couple years ago. Absolutely. i going to do a show called Let's Be Blunt. I'm like, man, that's my last name. I got to get on there. So to be on here, bro, is like full circle. Full circle. I appreciate you. It's insane, man. I'm still working. I'm going to
0: get this show out there. I mean, not only do I have the podcast, but I still think there's room for a cannabis oriented television show on the air in all the states that have legal cannabis. And there's no reason why we shouldn't be talking about it again. That's what I said at the very top of the show. How ridiculous is it ridiculous is it that you could have a product that's a legal product, but you can't advertise it? And not only that, but you're not even supposed to talk about it. Come on, stop. Stop, stop crazy. it. You're stupid, huh? Crazy. And what I talking about? Talk about it. You
1: have a podcast that's that's uh talking bluntly. What's the name of it again? Yes, talking bluntly. Uh me and Lady Divinity. Um, crazy story how that happened. So I've I'm a person that believes in just not limiting myself to one thing. So, I got the store, I'm doing this, I'm speaking, blah, blah, blah. But I knew I had a niche with hosting because I've hosted stuff before. I used to throw comedy shows and concerts in Oakland. So, I was like, all right, I'm gonna do a podcast with Weed Maps. But they're in the process of doing their budgeting. So, we go, as a matter of fact, we talk tomorrow. But in the process of going through all this, I had a good friend of mine, and it's a trip you said TV. We gotta talk offline because we're working on some stuff to have cannabis on TV. So, we'll talk. But um, a group out of Oakland, some youngsters reached out and wanted me to host a podcast. I thought they wanted me to be on the podcast. So they did the research on me, like, man, we're going to call it Talking Bluntly. And when they pitched it to me, they was like, we want you to come on. You know, I go, we basically, it's like a a testing product show. We test your product. We showcase black and brown products that are going to be released at black and brown dispensaries in the Bay Area. And we showcase their product, give them their shine, tell you where they can find them, et cetera. And it kind of like just fell in my lap, bro. Like, I, I I thought I was going on as a guest and like, no, we want you to host. You need to be the voice of this. You need to talk to the people. You have relationships. And I'm doing this all free just for, for the record. Like I'm doing this just because the people need to have that voice. Everything is not about money all the time. Um, so like podcasts is um, we're getting content now. Kind of like how you doing. with Let's be blunt. We're not dropping it probably for about another month or so. I gotta do a bunch of interviews doing Black History Month to highlight the equity program.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and that's what we're doing. Um, I'm working on my second podcast now. And I have someone working with like following me around just through my day to day life. Like it's getting weird, but it's cool. It's like, you know, I gotta share the message somehow. So talking bluntly is tight. Um, Lady Divinity is a great co host, super knowledgeable. And we're just having a good time. We're smoking. We're testing the product. But for me personally, if I can just be honest, I don't want it to just stay as a smoke testing podcast, like every weed I'm not going to like. So then I have to kind of like lie on camera and say, Hey, this is this, you know what I'm saying? I may not really like it. It may not be for me. So I have to figure out a way to kind of like position it to do, you know, more showcasing of the brands per se, and what they're doing within their community, whether I like the product or not, not don't like it per se, but I'm an indica person. You understand?
0: You know, I mean, like anybody out here, you know. You, sometimes you somebody will hand you a nug, and you know, you throw it in
1: your bowl and light it up. It's like, nah, I don't right. Know. And we talk about we doing three to four shows every shooting. So you know, I'm running in changing clothes, gotta smoke again. I'm still high already. So you know, it's just you know, you know. But overall, great show, great concept for people to reach out and do research on me to have me host a show was humbling. You know what I mean? So that's where I'm at with it. Talk a little bit about your clothing line. man. So me personally, I've sold and printed T-shirts since 1996. Like 16 was my year to work and sell. And over the years, I've made and sold T-shirts all throughout the Bay Area globally. Um, But recently, being that um, I started, matter of fact, when I started, uh, hold on. When I um, did the concert, I came up with this one. It's the evolution of the blunt. There you So go. this shirt I sold and $5 from every shirt went to a grant to give to an equity dispensary. I'm real big on fashion and wearing your own stuff. And I use that in my store too. Like I can sell clothing. People don't realize there's no cannabis tax on clothing. That's more money you can make in the store. Like don't just limit yourself, people that are listening. Like don't just limit yourself to growing and selling. There's so much more you can do in this space. You can have apparel, you can have podcasts. You can be the person behind the scenes that's doing all the tech, the geek work for the podcast. That's a job. So, you know, me and the apparel just something that go hand in hand. I like to dress. So why not, you know, wear my brand? And then it helps me see if other people want to wear it. Oh man, where do you get that from? I want to wear that. Same with the Proud Papas. Um, I started that in 2013. I got tired of seeing silhouettes on the internet that were just white silhouettes of fathers and kids. I'm like, where's the black silhouettes? So I created my own and went off without it, you know? So, yeah.
0: (laughs) You've been also working in auto detailing. Talk a little bit about that, my friend.
1: (sighs) My dad and uncle had a detail shop when I came out the womb. Um, So uh, my daddy started me first detailing about, I think my first buff job I did was I was about eight. Um, they serviced the Bay area for a combined 45 years and all of my friends knew that I could detail cars, but I would only detail my personal cars. And, um, I finally was like, you know what, let me make some money. About nineteen twenty, I started detailing cars for other people and actually getting paid for it. And it was like, huh? All right. And my detailed Montel averaged about three to $400. Like I'm really like showroom, cleaning vents, me and mats, all that. And that led to my job at Tesla. Tesla called me off the street from my LinkedIn and said, hey, we want you to come train our detailers. I'm like, what you mean training? Like, no, we want to pay, create a position for it. So I'm the first ever certified detail trainer at Tesla anywhere in the world. They they hired me off the street and created a position for me. Um, did it. It was going great. And then I got the call about the dispensary from Mike Marshall. He called me and was like, hey, I got somebody, you know, trying to do something with the equity program. You want to do that? And I'm like, yeah, let's go try it out. And I'm here talking to you now. You know what I mean? So it's just like, and I apply. Well, a lot of people don't realize To tell my kids this. I talk about it a lot. I apply everything I've ever done in life to the space I'm in now. The marketing, the research, um, the nerd. I type 90 words a minute, bro. I'm a 4.0 student graduated. I'm a street smart nerd. You understand what I'm saying? And I use all of that to help me build my brand. And it's allowed me to do things like this. Like to be able, for me, I told my daughter, well, my, my oldest daughter, she 20. She came with me to talk to Blundley, the film last Sunday. And I said, man, I got a, a meeting with Montel on, on Wednesday. She wasn't familiar with you. I'm like, man, Montel is like, shit, the male Oprah, if you want it for me growing up, you know what I mean? Like you, Phil Donahue, Oprah, like, you know what I'm saying? Those are people I grew up watching. For I me mean, to be able to be interviewed by you, bucket list, bro, bucket list. Like, you know, like for real, like you were in my house, all of my childhood, you know what I'm saying? So to be able to talk to you about cannabis, yeah. come on, Montel.
0: <laughs> well, you know what? I, I want to be talking a lot more about it, especially maybe you definitely always know you have a home here. Anytime you want to come back, any issues you want to talk about, make sure you come back to us because we love to have you. And let's talk about cannabis from an issue standpoint. You know, right out of your Bay Area, we have now the, you know, Vice President of the United States. Yes, literally, and I'm not. I'm not as an aspersion. Please believe me. I have the utmost respect for you know our vice president. I think you know she's probably one of the smartest people I've ever sat down and talked to myself, um, and extremely knowledgeable. But has never been a friend to cannabis. Facts. And for all of us to you know all of a sudden act like we got you know a champion in our ranks, we don't. Facts. Like you take a look at you know during her tenure as AG you know, there were more arrests of black and brown people than ever before in the history of California. Correct. And she had plenty of opportunity to change that dynamic and chose not to. Correct. Today, all we hear from her is this conversation about decriminalizing. And we know that that's not the direction that we need to go in. All the right. still says, I'm doing something wrong. Exactly. And I'm just going Egg- to take the penalty off of it. That's exactly. not right. We aren't doing anything wrong, at all. And to have a brown person not seem to get that throws me a little bit, right? Because that's the reason why her boss, the president, was heard six months ago saying he still thought cannabis was a gateway drug.
1: Yes, yes. So, what are your views on this, my friend? What do you think? I mean, so for me personally, how I feel about that is. For when we got to vote at the local level, you know what I'm saying? Because we vote for her as attorney general, we voted her in there. So if you don't vote people that are for cannabis, you can't be mad about them not being for cannabis. Um, the way we change that again is voting on the lower levels. By the time it gets to the presidency, it's too late. And I don't know if we forgot as a country how checks and balances work or if we stopped teaching history class about government, like you have to vote locally and state to craft the laws for the federal so that's one thing and then two you have to have people who are in the cannabis space making laws or at least in the room with these people that are making laws the reason why biden can say gateway drug in 2020 is because he doesn't have anybody in his ear or on these posts or in this room that's helping guide him to the right conversation same thing with kamala kamala was doing the job we voted her to do go ahead and I was going to say, especially when you have them right now
0: today and yesterday talking about they are going to be purveyors of science. Yes. If they're going to be purveyors of science, then do the research and do the study and understand yes. the science that's been done in the last five years alone. Yes. prove the efficaciousness of this plant-based medicine. I just throw that out there because it, just, no, it ticks me off because, you know, uh, Yes, we do need to be in that room. But
1: I also think it's incumbent upon them. They got to research. Yes. I mean, that's period. I mean, that's again, we're back to education. I mean, we keep going back to the same words and that can be applied in all levels. You can't make these laws or say this and say that without really educating yourself. And if you're going to be you know, our voted elected official and you're not going to educate yourself, it's going to we're going to continue to have these conversations about cannabis because they're not going to be right. You know what I mean? Um, I'm not pro or for um, Kamala or Biden. I'm a Democrat by default or whatever. And I voted for who, you know, was going to get Trump out. But me personally, I don't give a dang who the person was going to be in the white house. You, like you said, you have to do your research. You have to educate yourself on this plant and change the stigmatism. Like the whole uh, what is it? Uh, The whole war on drugs, the whole, uh, marijuana, uh, reefer madness. All of that was propaganda was to, like we said, put us in jail and make, this is a plant we're talking about. This is a plant, a plant with medicinal values. Like, so if you can't educate yourself on that, you are doing us a disservice, but again, until we can get more people in those rooms to have these conversations, you know what I mean? Um, and for the record, I will say this, somebody from her office actually reached out, um, Amber Littlejohn, she works for the MCBA, the Minority Cannabis Business Association. That particular faction has some issues like weed maps, like the different people who had, you know, white people ahead. And now they're trying to bring the black people in. They reached out specifically to me because they had heard about me and social equity and they want me to go speak with Kamala. So, yes, I want to go do that. You know what I mean? Like, come on. You know what I mean? But we have to start having those conversations. But conversations only go so far if you're not really doing the research. I can talk to you till you blue in the face. You got to go read it. Right.
0: Well, you know, I'm gonna tell you, if you need any help in that conversation, make sure you reach out. Well, Say like, less. I, you know, I, I will definitely go and help you if you need me to be there, my
1: friend. I'm, well, I'm telling you now, I'm. I, I we finished. I'm going to call Amber and tell her, hey, when I do come, I tell when it come. So. It's, I'm and
0: and, and, you know, know. I should say all the, 100% disclosure, Kamala and I had a relationship uh, that didn't last long. So I don't know where we may
1: fall on that. But, you know, that, hey, that's, at the end of the day, this is about cannabis policy and reform, correct. not about who you like, who you don't like. If you're really in this office and you 80 million people that voted for you and 65, 70% of them are cannabis smokers and want to see the cannabis reform, you have to have these conversations. You know what I mean? I mean, at the right. end of the day, government is not supposed to agree with everybody. It's a democracy. So I can sit across from you and disagree with you 100%, but we can still figure out a way to work together. And that's just what I'm on, bro. That's how we're supposed to be. And yeah. I guess, what do you got, what you got coming down the pipe, man? What's what's uh, <sighs> next? Oh, so what's next? We reopen, like I said, in about three weeks. That should be great. I can't wait for that. I um, opening my delivery service finally, uh, distro service finally. And I'm looking to, like I said, I'm looking to franchise. I'm hoping, um, I can tell you this. So the way I got my deal set up now with my dispensary, I have a three, uh, after three years, I have the first rider right refusal to buy the entire property, to grow out the whole property. So that's my goal, number one, is to start saving up to buy that. And then it's time to start franchising. As soon as these equity programs open up. I'm already in a conversation with the lobbyists and with the people in the government to make sure they're trying to do them right. Not just me, but everybody. But once that's in place, I want to franchise. I really, really want to franchise. And the model that I want to use is give that equity person 100% of their license. That's their license. We come in as 49% partners on the business. Of course, we're putting up all the money because you don't have it. But you get 51% of your business, all net, you know, your gross, whatever. And then the other forty nine, the forty nine percent can come from forty nine people, income from ninety eight people, income from two hundred and six people, and we just all put our money in and sit back every three months and collect a check. Like I don't see why we can't do. I know too many personal millionaires that we can do that with. Like you don't have to do nothing. You just write out you, you f off money or anything else. Cut this check for this black owned business and kick back every three months and collect from the quarter. You know what I mean? But. You know, got to get in front of more people, had a conversation Shout out to out here to involve a good friend of mine. We're working on stuff like that. But what's next for me is global. Like I'm I'm not stopping at one store in East Oakland, period.
0: Well, we should have some conversations with my friend offline. I, I would yes. love to talk about it because I, I think I could be have service to you, especially the fact that I've worked in multiple states all over this country. I know. Uh, and helped to get the legislation passed that's in those states. So you know, it might be of a, could, could do you a solid,
1: you know what I mean? I tell whatever, whatever help you can offer, but when I'd be greatly appreciative of and the cannabis space would be, you know what I mean? Like I really got to use my platform to do right by this. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm past the age of, you know, I got 30 more years promised, you know what I'm saying? So I need to make these 30 as best as I can. So eight, hey, man, I, I'd be honored to have any help you could provide, bro. For real. That's it.
0: So now what 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 advice would
1: you give someone who wants to get started right now in business and especially in the campus field? Y'all finna be mad at me. Educate yourself. Like, like for real, for real, if you want to get started in this space, the main question I get when I come out of these clubhouse rooms and my inbox going crazy, how do I get in the space? For one, you gotta figure out what you want to do in the space. I can't tell you how to get in the space. I can tell you don't come for growing and selling, because those are the two hardest things to do in this space, but find your niche. Figure out what you want to do in the space and then do the research on it and how it relates to the space. That's the best advice I give people. Like do your research. Quit coming to people that are in the space and say, hey, I want to get in. How do I get in? That's 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 too vague of a question.
0: So absolutely. And I think, you know, you hit on it and I hit on it all the time here with Let's Be Blunt, is I think that education, education, education. is the most important thing, especially in the space itself, and especially what the space needs to start doing. For itself,
1: yes, yes,
0: we spent so much time, you know, being B2B, yep, trying our best to figure out how we could put another business down rather than how to go B2C, and that's educating the consumer so the consumer will want to walk into a place and buy the product to begin with. Right now, there's still, you know, the fact that there's people on the fence trying to figure out whether or not this is a gateway drug or not tells me how much education we're lacking.
1: We're lacking, yes,
0: and the fact that you know, we still literally try to target a product towards just one demographic, Yes, you know? and uh, and, I'm, and I'm not, believe me, I'm not in any way, shape, or form casting aspersions on, let's say the younger demographic. What we don't know is that, you know, there are a lot of baby boomers out there who were the people who were the legislators that helped to pass the legislative bills that recognize yes. that when they were in their teens, they smoked a, a blunt under the bleachers And they're still successful business people today. Yes. The people who right now on 10, 15 different medications who recognize that, you know what, if I slowed down some of that medication and got on a little bit of cannabis, I could actually literally get off some of that other stuff. And so we need to spend more time passing on the information that doctors and scientists are starting to find and discover and making sure that the consumer has
1: that right readily, right there in their hands. Yes. That's the type of stuff we do at Blunt some more like we had our good tenders to educate and talk to people like when I graduated from Oakstrad Montel nobody was going to Oakstradam I was in our I was in the second Oakland class overall because they was based out of LA no I got laughed at for going to Oakstradam but I knew I wanted to educate myself because I wanted to own in this space at some point in time. That was 2008. I would have not known that this was going to be we'd be talking about this now but I knew the importance of that then and it's just like the importance of education is key and the reason why you talk about it while other podcasts talk about it. It's because it's 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 not resonate. It's not um, what's the word I'm looking for? We're not constantly hearing that word for no reason. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's a super lack of education, and that's why a lot of people are still against it. But the people that are for it, we just gotta be able to, you know, get in those rooms and have those conversations. I gotta have you ever met Keith Stevenson before. So he's the owner of Purple Heart in Oakland, the first. One. Disp- the first black owned dispensary anywhere in the world i got it you all y'all should talk okay, for sure for sure y'all should definitely talk because he's doing the same type of thing he started the equity program he's up in sacramento helping craft laws he's 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 that person and he's an og in the game he's uh i want to say in almost 60 and he's, he's 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 been quiet a lot and i've been kind of like bro you need to talk because when you hear purple heart a lot of people don't realize that's owned by a black man they don't like that's owned by a black man. He's the longest third, fourth longest running dispensary anywhere in the world. First black. And, you know, just, I just, I just think somebody you should network with too Cause me and him are doing the same thing. We go into these boards to talk to Sacramento's and talk to the, the Kamala's et cetera. So yeah, we, we got to talk offline, bro. For real, for real.
0: Really, man, For sure. We definitely have to. And I can say thank you so much Keith, for, for being a part of this, man. I mean, you Know to have an opportunity to talk to you today and to share what you're doing, Tucky. Um, I think people need to understand Blunt and more is out there. Give them a, if anybody wants any more information about you, man, where do they
1: go? What website at do go? Tucky Blunt 80 is my personal page. The Blunt and more page is blunts B L U N T S A N D M O O R E. Excuse us, our website is down because I'm not open, but the website will be back up soon. Um, I'm on Twitter at Blunt Tucky. I'm on the clubhouse, but don't don't come on there. It's just a bunch of propaganda on there. But um, I'm around. I'm uh, my inbox is open. I try to help as much as I can, as long as the questions are, you know, legitimate. But I'm I'm, I'm we have to share this message, period. So I applaud you for, you know, having me on your platform and sharing my platform, your platform with me. Absolutely. And and the Blunts More is open right now. No, we're not. We uh, remember I should, I should know we shut down about a month ago doing some cleaning we we'll back open for you guys um in about three weeks. And my tail can tell you, we kind of look like an eye store on the inside. Like a lot of people come in and like, this black home? I love that. I love hearing that. Like, yeah, this is.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a Apple store. I mean, yep. really, really, really nicely done. Really, really professionally done. All of your staff had a really good
1: professional attitude. Address in case somebody goes out of the bay. 701 66th Avenue, Oakland, California, directly across the street from the Alameda Oakland Coliseum.
0: All
1: right. Well, Tucky, blunt,
0: blunt some more. He's been our guest today on Let's Be Blunt with Montana. Make sure you drop by the store if you get a chance and reach out to Tucky see if you can get some information if you want. And I'm gonna say again, sir. Thank you so much for sharing that wealth of knowledge. And anytime you want to come back, let me know. Okay? Appreciate you, Montel. Absolutely. Good so, hey, night. Right back at you. You keep tuning in to Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Thanks for joining me on Let's Be Blunt with Montel. Please make sure you're subscribed and hit the bell to be notified when new episodes post each week. We'd love to hear your feedback, also. So please send us your comments. <laughs>